What's going on today? Thanks for stopping by. This episode of the podcast is proudly brought to you by Muskoka Spray Foam Insulation. If you need your home spray foamed, be sure to check out msfi.ca today. Drew and the crew are waiting to hear from you. By Highland Custom Builders, your vision built custom. By Kyle Outrich Productions, if you need custom graphic work, merchandise, or anything for your big event, be sure to check out Kyle Outrich Productions today. Find them on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you name it, they're there for you for your custom graphic work. And lastly, we're brought to you by Manscaped. Be sure to check out the gold standard in men's grooming by heading over to manscaped.com. Find what you need. Be sure to check out the Lawn Mower 3.0. And when you get ready to check out, use the offside code OFFSIDE20 to get yourself 20% off on your purchase. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's go. Are you ready to go offside? Because it's Offside Hockey Talk with your host, James Roberts. Ladies and gentlemen, I am joined today by an up-and-coming Leafs writer for Editor-in-Leaf, and that is Joseph. Joseph, how's it going today, my friend? Fantastic. How about you? Uh, not too bad. I want to do a huge thank you for you jumping on. Um, you know, I always look for people that are writing about the Maple Leafs or are passionate about the team because it's good to get everyone's opinion, especially in these times where things aren't exactly officially coming back but are starting to get that way. And everybody's got their own scope of what they think should happen and how it will happen. So I'm happy you're jumping on. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Not a worry at all. So for yourself, i got to ask right off the hop, what drew you to hockey and what makes you passionate about the Toronto Maple Leafs? Um, for me, I feel like it's kind of a different story compared to other people because you think of hockey or any sport in general, someone who's passionate about the sport so much, the majority of them have played the sport throughout their lifetime. And for me, that wasn't me. I never played hockey. Um, I was going to start at a young age, but, you know, I decided to tell my parents, no, I have no idea why, but, um, I was more of a soccer kid. I played soccer all the time, but for hockey, I always watched it on the TV. I went to games as a kid with my father and that was, that's the one sport that, you know, drew my attention. I'm so passionate about, you know, I, I love reading the stats. I love watching the games, uh, you know, watching the interviews and all that stuff about hockey. So for you. Every writer's got their own style. Everybody's got their own way of doing it. What sets you apart from everybody else? What can people say when they read one of your articles, your posts, that they know it's you and this is the flair that you put on it? I, I try to keep it honest. Um, sometimes, especially with Leafs Nation, um, a lot of people are one-minded and they, and they always want to hear what they want to hear. But uh, for, for me, when I'm writing, I try to, you know, be honest as possible and um if it's something that people don't want to hear i'm sorry but you know you have to hear it if it's not what you want to hear and uh, i try to do that in all my articles i try to you know build a, a good fan base and you know I, I want people to enjoy my articles when they read them well no, honesty is a 100 percent key and the other factor you touched on there is basically you know putting it out there and not really caring what people think almost so to speak because you need to put it out there in your own spin. And I look at a guy that is huge in the industry, like Elliot Friedman, and he says what he does with his articles and things is he puts them out, he just leaves them, walks away. He just puts it out because that's his thought. And, I mean, it sounds like you're of the same mind where you have your thought, you want to convey it, and you put it out there, and then you walk away and let it be where it's going to be. And 
you know what? It's your opinion and it's your article and it's the way it's supposed to be written because it's coming out of your mind and no one else's. Exactly. So going into everything now, what are you doing to prepare for the playoffs that are coming, the play-in? Obviously, we just had the draft lottery. Give us a walkthrough of what you're getting prepped for and what you're excited to cover the most coming up. Um, for me, I have a YouTube channel as well, but I kind of took a break off of it because obviously due to COVID, it suspended the season. So I didn't really have too many ideas to make a YouTube video about, but, uh, for the playing series, I want to start making YouTube videos and, you know, give my predictions for each series. Um, for article wise, obviously I'll be covering the Leafs and the, the Blue Jackets playing series. That will be a great playing series to watch. So I'll be covering them articles wise. Uh, I'll be making YouTube videos and on my Twitter account as well, I like to break news. Obviously, like the big uh, insiders, Bob McKenzie, Elliot Friedman, Chris Johnson, etc. I uh, I get their news, I credit them, and then I let my followers know if they're not following them, as well as you know just putting my own input on Twitter and letting my followers know you know what's happening. And uh, for for Leaf games as well, I, I usually um, put out the starting lineups. I do my own little takes and see what they enjoy and see if they want to chime in as well and have a conversation with me about it. Well, you know what? That's one of the funnest things to do before a game is to put your own spin on it. I don't know if you've ever seen one of them, but I do a prediction season video for each Leaf game. And you just have a little fun. You can jab the other fan base. You can jab at the other team. I mean, I've had people reach out in positive ways and negative ways. But for me, it's all fun and it's all engaging. And, you know, if you're taking the time to watch it, I'll always thank somebody, even if they're being negative. And I'll always thank them for watching because nine times out of ten, when they're on that keyboard, they're they're just doing it to get a reaction. And when you come at them with niceness, they can't say nothing back. Exactly. So I saw your post, and I'm going to credit you with this one because it's hilarious. I saw the Cody CC one goal against the Columbus Blue Jackets to watch out for him. <laughs> so obviously yeah. that is hilarious, but hey. You know what? Any bit of ammunition we can get, we need. And I got to ask for you, what is the biggest thing going into this play-in series against the Columbus Blue Jackets? What is the biggest thing for you the Leafs need to focus on? Um, I really think the Leafs need to, you know, figure out themselves on D. I know Toronto doesn't have one of the strongest D cores in the league. And looking at Columbus, they were dismantled with injuries this year. Uh, you know, top of the league with injuries. And on top of that, they already have one of the best decors in the league as well. So for a Toronto team with this much offensive power and the Columbus team with that much, you know, help on the back end, uh, Toronto's going to have to score their score themselves out of trouble. And, uh, you know, for for their defense, you know, with Riley and Barry and Muzzin and Dermott, um, I don't think that Leafs D is consistent whatsoever this season. Obviously due to injuries as well because – you had CC out for some time, Riley out for some time, Muzzin out for some time as well. So I'm going to need them to you know stay healthy, stay consistent, play their role. I know uh, I'm bringing it back with Mike Babcock, but for Tyson Berry, you know you you probably know this as well. Mike Babcock was putting Tyson Berry in a role he has never played before as a you know a defensive defenseman with Jake Muzzin. And I screamed about that all season long. You. You get a yeah. guy as a rental because you know he's a pure rental. You're not going to be able to afford him. And you're trying to fit a square peg into a round hole and make him play defense when he's an offensive defenseman who runs your power yeah. play as a quarterback. And you didn't use him as that. And you wondered why he was faltering. Well, that's not his role. It's not what he does. And you can't train him to do something 
in one year with the Maple Leafs. If you signed him to seven years and said, hey, we're going to give you the Morgan Riley treatment in year one and year two, we're going to make you work on your defensive things and then set him loose like you did with Riley, and obviously you completed Riley's game to a point. So, I mean, you only had Barry as a rental, and I screamed out it all year. I couldn't believe it. Like, And then they finally yeah. went with Keith, and then you see him scoring and producing, and, you know, that, his yeah, confidence came back. That was one of the back. best moments of the season. Yeah, I mean, the guy's confidence came back. The smile was there. He was happy to be there. All of a sudden, all those trade rumors, they seemed to get quiet again. So you know why it was happening. Because, again, you're trying to use him in a position he wasn't ready for or wasn't normally used for. So, And he knew he was only going to be here for a year. So, of course, he's going to drag his feet and one out of there. And a lot of the, uh, the fan base for Leafs, you know, when they got a guy like Tyson Berry, obviously a year ago yesterday, he got traded here. Everyone's everyone's happy. Everyone's you know cheering, but at the same time they're sad because Kadri had to be traded to Colorado. But they see Tyson Berry as a right hand defenseman, and they're like, "Whoa, like, we don't have those." Yeah. So he comes in, and I don't know if people know what kind of play style he plays, but obviously he's an offensive defenseman. And I think that he was brought in here because Jake Gardner was gone. So you basically have a replacement in Jake Gardner, but on the right side. And once Tyson Berry makes defensive mistakes like Jake Gardner did or any Leaf player did, they always have to, you know, point a finger. And, and Tyson Berry was the guy uh, to, you know, get their finger pointed at. And, um, I don't know, it wasn't right. And what Babcock did, I didn't like. But, you know, Sheldon Keith came. Sheldon Keith plays a, a different style, more offensive. And, you know, it, it let Tyson Berry loose. It does. And that's the thing, right? I mean, the Leafs fan base, you know, I credit them for, you know, being passionate. But when it comes to actually sitting down and breaking down the minutia of a player, it's not there. Like, everybody heard Tyson Berry was coming to town, and instantly all you get is name value off Tyson Berry. People don't look back and see what he used to do. And the reason why Colorado got rid of him is because they had a young guy named Kale McCarr who is going to be do the exact same thing that Tyson Berry can do, but younger and cheaper. So it's an offensive defenseman. He's basically Jake Gardner with the same faults, and he wasn't getting the opportunity, though, like Jake Gardner was, to play on the power play, to wheel and deal, to skate up the ice. And you could see it as soon as Keith let those gates open. He was wheeling down the ice. He was going bar down. He was doing all the things. He did in Colorado, and everybody's like, oh, where was this guy all year? And it's like, well, if you watch the games, he wasn't allowed to do those things. It was defense first, and he wasn't allowed to do any of the stuff that basically got him to the dance and set the table for him to have a big payday, which I think he's going to miss out on. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, unless you go off his past resume, you're not going to be able to pay him $8 million a year. I remember when the trade broke through, uh, I immediately went on YouTube because obviously I, I knew who these players were, but I don't watch too many Colorado games. So uh, I wanted to see, you know, what Darian Kerfoot were you know able to do. And I watched the video on them, and, you know, Barry's breakout passes up the ice to Kerfoot or, you know, just Barry uh, at the one-time spawn the power player at the point, just blasting towards the net, or even just skidding up the ice. You know, I was really, really excited, but then obviously we know what happened. Yeah. The first 20, 25 games of the season, that wasn't the, the Tyson Barry we saw. But uh, with Sheldon Keith in charge, you know, I'm pretty sure Barry scored three goals in three games with Keith in charge, and I was yep. like, okay, this is the Tyson Barry that you know we should be seeing well it speaks to one thing i mean when you have uh, the belief in your coach and your coach has the belief in you and there's no restraints and there's no hey if you mess up or you do this you're going to be benched because babcock did that with a lot of guys 
If you tried to use mm-hmm. skill to get yourself out of a situation, or you tried to finesse it when you should just be, you know, X's and O in it, he'd bench you. He'd put you on the bench, or he'd make an example out of you, and he'd rip you. So, I mean, that was the thing that went across the whole team, though. Not just Tyson Berry. I think everybody had a collective, you know, smile on their face and a breath of fresh air. But at the same time, they knew that basically their scapegoat was gone. So Babcock is fired. So now it is on you. So if you guys don't perform now, then obviously bigger questions will be answered or asked. And then the answers will follow with you out of town. Exactly. So you look at this squad and we talked about Barry and we talked about Kadri. I think this squad is missing a guy like Kadri. I wish he was still here. Uh, They tried to address it by bringing in a guy like Kyle Clifford. Less skilled, mind you but has the aspects of being able to drop the mitts, answer the bell, stand up for teammates. And it seemed he was dragging guys into that kind of play and bringing them with him when those things would happen. You look at Kaepernick and got a little bit more chippy. Hyman was always chippy, but it seemed like he got a little bit bigger himself. And then Austin Matthews, a guy that started towards the end of the season really sitting guys on their ass and hitting them and pushing back when people were you know, laying hands on him. And it was good to see. I'm wondering for you, obviously the loss of Kadri is huge. Do you think Clifford is the answer long-term? Because I know the Leafs would love to have him, but at what price? And is it really worth the money to sign someone who's aging and in that role? Um, for me, I, I really like Kyle Clifford and what he's done so far in his short tenure with the Leafs. But, um, you know, you also have to remember his current con. Well, his the LA Kings retained 50% of his salary, I'm pretty sure, so... Um, that isn't his salary, like all around. So his new contract, I feel like it will probably be around one million. But then again, the, um, the salary cap will most likely stay the same for the next three seasons. So part of me thinks that some teams don't want to spend that much money on a player like Clifford, or maybe Clifford's willing to take a pay cut because the salary cap will be staying the same. So a bunch of players will be taking discounts for the next contract. But uh, having a guy like Kyle Clifford on the team, it's it's amazing. You know, he doesn't have to, you know, fight every single game. He doesn't have to lay people out every single game. But, you know, one or two hits a game, a fight maybe every five games, or depending what happens. Like, um, like it's very happening. Like you said, he's always had that uh, nasty side to him. He doesn't show it. But when Kyle Clifford came, like, Kapanen dropped the gloves with uh, Jared McCann against Pittsburgh. And, you know, he, he dropped him. Yeah. And uh, like, you, like you said, Hyman. Hyman's always been that guy. He doesn't fight a lot, but... You know he, he'll get a, he'll get aggressive with you, and I see that in Andreas Johnson as well. He's kind of like a very captain. He'll he'll get under your skin. He won't fight you all the time, but he'll he'll agitate you and he'll get under your skin. And I feel like a guy with Kyle Clifford on the team, it just you know energizes the players, and the players are like, okay, if you do it, I can do it. And you know if Kapanen gets into a fight with a bigger guy, you know Clifford's gonna have your back either way. Yeah, I mean you look at a lot of these guys on the squad and. They seem to grow a couple inches just because Clifford's there. And it's it's just standing up for yourselves. And it's something that Toronto was knocked for a lot this season and last season. You know, not having that pushback when things were pushed to shove. And I like to see this out of Freddie, too. Freddie was starting to get a little spicy with people and starting to get into people's grills and, you know, mixing it up a little bit. You could see him getting angry and chirping guys and jabbing with the stick a la Patrick Waugh and Marty Brodeur. So, you know, I like the aspect that it brings. I just want the price tag to be right. Not to say that Clifford doesn't deserve to get paid because that's one of the jobs that I think is being phased out. But at the same time, if you can do it while still being able to skate and produce a little bit, you should get paid a la Tom Wilson. But 
Clifford's on the lower end of that scale, obviously get aging out a little bit too. Um, I, I'd be ecstatic if we got him for a mil to 900k. But yeah, I'm I'm good with that price range as well. I feel like anything more than maybe you know 1.25 or 1.5 is too much because you, you just signed Pierre Engvall to an extension as well. You got to sign, you know, Ilya Mikheyev might be around the same deal as Pierre Engvall, maybe a bit more. So obviously, you know, Dubis and and staff have to be aware of, you know, how much money they're going to be spending. I look at a player like Ilya Mikheyev, and I'm really excited for him. Obviously, size has a shot. Um, you know, can use his body. He didn't use it as much as we'd like to see out of him, but obviously getting used to the North American style of ice. And he really was coming on before the horrific injury he got. But that injury may be a blessing in disguise for the Maple Leafs. Um, you never want to see a guy get hurt, so I'm not putting that out there. But the notion of the fact he didn't have a full season, you may be able to get him on another one-year deal for you know a lesser contract. Just kind of another, hey, show me what a full season's like, and then we'll talk long-term. And that may be the way that it plays out. And you're right, with the cap being stagnant for the next two years and then slightly going up in year three, there's going to be a lot of players that take discounts. and There's going to be a lot of um, things that have to happen if you want to stay with teams. And just to put a bow on Clifford, he did say that he feels the Toronto Maple Leafs have a huge chance at making it to a Stanley Cup with the players they have. So there's something to be said, like a Spezza, you know, maybe even now a Clifford, of getting veteran guys to buy in on a team that's on the cusp. And that may even happen on defense as well. We don't know. But for Mikheyev, do you see him slotting into the top six? I put out a, a post today, and a lot of people seem to be lining him up instantly with Tavares. Um, do you see him slotting top six or bottom six when he gets back? Definitely top six. I, I also wrote an article about this, I think, a month ago, maybe a month and a half ago. Um, I haven't slotted in the top six, but I have him, obviously, with Tavares, but... On the other wing, I have uh, Marner instead of Nylander. And uh, I know a lot of people will probably want Matthews with Marner. I'm good for that too, but um, we've seen what they can do. They're dangerous as a duo, but towards the, the later half, uh, the second half of the season, you know, they kind of slowed down a bit. But for me, if you have Nylander back on that top wing with Matthews and Hyman, we've seen what they can do. They, yeah. they were line mates in the first year. Uh, of them in the NHL, a bit of the 17-18 season, and then obviously due to Nylander's uh, contract holdout, Nylander wasn't playing on the top line with uh, Matthews, and then with Tavares' arrival, Hyman shifted down and played with uh, Marner and Tavares. But, uh, you know, we know what Nylander and Matthews can do, and we know what Marner and Tavares can do. And putting a guy like Mikheyev on a line with uh, Tavares and Marner is basically like a Hyman. You know, Hyman and Mikheyev are similar players. They're uh, they're heavy on the floor check. They, they'll score goals. They won't score a lot, but they'll score goals. Uh, Zach Hyman, he'll score them in a dirty way, empty netter. But he's still now a 20 goal scorer, so you know, good on him. And then you look at a guy like Matthews and Tavares. They're both pure goal scorers. And then Marner and Nylander, they're both pass first wingers. They can score. Nylander shocked a lot of people this season. You know, scoring the amount of goals he scored this year. But, yeah, would have uh, broke 30 plus. Yeah, if it was up to me, if I was Sheldon Keith, I'd have Nikhail on the second line with Tavares and uh, Marner. See, for me, I want Marner to go back with Tavares because the success they had, and it was you know blatantly obvious that's something that worked really, really well. I know why you wanted to give Matthews and Marner the chance to play because the two of them wanted it, and obviously they're young superstars. You want to keep them happy. My way of keeping them happy would be if you're down in a game, load up a super line like you used to do with the hero lines and the NHL video games and just load up a solid line and head them out there. They know how to play together. 
Good players will find a way to make it work. So why not load up a Matthews, Marner, Tavares or something like that to get the things going, get the juices flowing, get back in a game or maybe even lock a game down with an extra goal. But I like the fact of having Matthews with Hyman and Nylander. And I like what you're saying about McKay of being a worker because that's exactly what Hyman is. He's the, I got him as hashtag Hyman hustle all day long because he'll go in the corners, he'll get you the puck, he'll do the grind, everything you need out of him. So if he can rub that off of Mikheyev and we got two of them, I like our chances. Exactly, exactly. And um, like you said, you know, um, Hyman and Mikheyev being the workers they are, it just, you know, it, it just completes the line, you know, the, the two top six lines, and this makes them better. And for, um, you know, like you said, loading up the lines after, Sheldon Keith has done that, you know, when yep. they at least kill off a penalty, uh, yeah, they kill off a penalty and they load the line with uh, Nylander, um, Tavares, Marner, and they have one defenseman, or they just throw Marner with uh, Tavares and Matthew with two defensemen. It, it tires the other team out, and I'm I'm all in for that as well. But uh, you know, if if Keith puts the lines that we said with you know Hyman, Matthews, and Nylander, and then you know if you're down a game by one or two goals, throw throw a big line, throw uh, Tavares with Marner and Matthews. They're they're, they're bound to score either way like they're elite players in the league and you know if they haven't played with each other for long they'll, they'll find a way to you know uh gel together and score oh for sure they all have the same thing they all have the huge skill aspect so they can make it work and we've seen it with the you know you look at Zetterberg and Datsu, Crosby and Malkin. Teams do it all the time with loading up a couple guys that may not predominantly play together or have played together in the past and now are on separate lines. It just gets that spark. It's that little boost. And it also gives the team the mentality of, okay, we need to lock this down or we need to get that goal back and this is how we're going to do it. Let's get the energy. But i got to ask another question for you. Jason Spetz is another guy who was up this year. Obviously, with the same thing, we'll go with Barry, we'll go with Spetza. With Babcock, Spezza was not doing well. As soon as Keith came in, it was like, whoa, this is what we paid for this guy, and look what he can do. I mean, if he had the full season under his belt, who knows what his totals would be, but it would be well surpassing what he has right now. Do you bring him back? He wants to come back. Do you bring him back if the uh, price tag's the same? 100%, 100%. Yeah, I think he's making 700. 700K. Yeah, if I, I feel like Spezza's the type of guy, if he took 700K for this past season... He'll definitely take 700k next season. Maybe a little raise because you know he he showed what he could do uh, under Sheldon Keefe. I'm pretty sure he put up high 20s in points, and he didn't play a full season. So if we can get him around 700k again, or maybe like 750, like a little raise for him, I'm all for it. But I don't see him asking for a raise. He's made enough money throughout his career. He's a veteran now. He wants to win. He's fine making league minimum, playing on the fourth line, maybe third line, depending on some nights. But, um, yeah, I, I definitely bring him back. You know, people people love him. I love him as a player. Uh, obviously, when he started playing here with the whole Babcock thing, you know, he wasn't playing a lot. You know, he didn't start the home opener, which uh, was kind of weird. You know, mistake. I, I That's a huge mistake. Of, yeah, I'm pretty sure his family and his daughters were in the building as well. And, he, you know, he didn't suit up. And it was against Ottawa, too. Out of every team, it's against Ottawa, his former team. And Babcock doesn't play him. Um but yeah, I'd love to bring him back. You know, he's a veteran. He's been in the league a number of years. You know, he can, he can teach the young guys some things, and he can still chip in. Like he's in his late thirties now, thirty-seven, thirty-eight. But you know, he can still produce at you know a decent level, a decent uh, rate for a fourth liner. Now, here's the question: If it came down to this, would you have Jason Spezza back, or would you sign Joe Thornton if he wanted to come to the Leafs, or 
option C, would you take both? Uh, I would take both of the prices right. Uh, I wouldn't bring Joe Thornton on this team if it was more than a Peter Engvall deal because due to the Leafs, obviously, cap situation, they can't afford you know Joe Thornton making $2 million like he was this past season. But if uh, Thornton can come for more than Spezza but still less than a million, I'm all for it. Uh, he could play on the second power play. You know, he's an elite uh, playmaker, passer, and he can just you know make the guys around him even better. Um, we've seen the Leafs' bottom six kind of fade away in the bottom half of the season. They weren't producing at the same rate they were in the first half of the season. So if you bring a guy like maybe Joe Thornton in the lineup, he can definitely you know give the guys a spark, give them energy, and just make them all better. So obviously, we just had the draft lottery. Before we talk about the lottery and everything going on with the plane and everything's going to happen. Got to ask you, within the Maple Leaf system, what is one player you were excited to see? I think I know what your answer is going to be, but I want to know, who are you looking for? Nick Robertson. <laughs> Do you think he gets into the lineup in the playoffs if he impresses? Um, I want to say yes, and I want to say no. Because I, I, I feel like if he impresses during training camp, then no. They can't just say no, you know. Uh, during the 16-17 season, that Leafs team was majority all rookies, and no one knew what they were capable of doing, um, and they just shocked a bunch of people. And I feel like if you throw Nick Robertson and the player he is right now on a team with, you know, Tavares and Marner and Nylander and Matthews, well, not so much Tavares, but the other three, they're not even in their prime yet, and they're playing like, you know, superstars in the league. I feel like if you put Nick Robertson... Uh, maybe switch him with McCabe and try Robertson on the second line or just put him on the third line with uh, Kerfoot and Kapanen. He doesn't do good things. Uh, then again, he's still young, so he has to learn in the NHL. But I, I truly feel if, if he's in this Leafs lineup, he'll do uh, he'll do wonders. See, now, this is my tr- thought process. Obviously, you have um, probably exhibition games or whatever they want to call them before the play-in starts. I think you go with uh, game one. Nick Robertson in the lineup, get him some feels, see how he adjusts, see how he skates, see where is you know where he is because you'll be able to get a pretty good gauge. Obviously, one game is no barometer by any means, but you'll be able to see exactly where he's at with who he's playing with for at least a little bit. And if it looks okay, give him the second one because you know some of these guys and what they can do, um, like a Spezza or like a Capitan, or you keep going down the lineup. There's guys you can pull and plug and play. Just sit for an exhibition game before this thing gets going. And if he is what he thinks we think he is, then, you know, maybe swap him for a Pierre Ingvall if he goes cold. Or swap him for a Mikheyev if the wrist acts up or whatever. There's a litany of different things you can choose. But I do see him getting in. Um, I don't see him being a regular, is what I'll say. I'll see him jumping in if they're maybe ahead in the series and they know they can close it out. <clears throat> and they want to give him some touches, or maybe they're opening a series and somebody's nicked up, then they'll put him in and see what he can do. Those are the scenarios I see him getting in, but I don't see him as a night-in, night-out if the Leafs go deep. Yeah, and the, the thing with the Maple Leafs, too, their bottom six is still flexible. You know, they can you know put guys in and out of the lineup. they got Gautier, they got Mulligan, Spezza, Engvall. If Keep decides to put McKeever in the bottom six, they got McKeever. Um, you know, they have a handful of guys, and obviously with the extended roster, some Marley players will be, you know, called up as well. Uh, I don't know the confirmed list, but uh, obviously Nick Robertson is on 
the list to uh, practice with them for the training camps. Uh, I, th- I think uh, Igor Korshikov is on the list as well. Korshikov, you know, uh, Augustino. Uh, Augustino, like those, Augustino, you know, he's played at the NHL level. He hasn't played a lot. But, you know, he can definitely play on the fourth line of the Leafs. And Korchakov, too, he played one uh, one game with the Leafs this year. And he scored in his first game. And he got sent back down. I can see Korchakov sliding in, too. But the bottom six is so flexible. So, like you said, if a guy, you know, banged up, then you can just slot, you know, Robertson in. Or if so-and-so is banged up, you can slot him in. And the Leafs have a lot of flexibility right now. And a lot of the guys can play up and down the lineup as well. You know, they're not just third or fourth line players like McKayev. He was brought in, he was brought in here this year. No one knew what he was capable of doing, and I feel like he can strongly play top six minutes in the league. And we've seen Pierre Engvall as well. You know, he's a bottom six player, but uh, he can definitely play on the second line. Um, some nights, I wouldn't say he's a regular, but you know, a lot of these players can play up and down the lineup, and just everyone just makes everyone else better. Joseph, come on, you, you got to know. Leafs Nation had you know Ilya Mikheyev as a thirty goal scorer as soon as he signed on the dotted line. You know, if, if you watched everybody talking about him, it was a, it was the second coming of Artemi Panarin coming over. A lot of people were that excited. I am just happy that we have a serviceable player in that role, and he's actually able to put up points, and he will grow into this Maple Leaf lineup. Hopefully we can retain him. He does want to stay, and I think what Kyle Dubas did when his injury happened spoke volumes to not only the client but to the agent and to teams are to players around the league because the Leafs took that extra step to make sure he was well taken care of, and you know that speaks volumes and and you know around the league with everything that goes on to see a GM and a team take care of a player in that regard is, is really well. Yeah, I really like what Kyle Dubas did there with uh, with staying him staying with him back in New Jersey with his wrist injury and just you know, taking the time to see you know if he needs anything and just you know being there by his side. Uh, I truly think McKay obviously wants to stay. He signed that deal with uh, Campbell's Canada. Um, you know, I, I don't feel like feel like it's a safer way to do a one or two year deal to see what he can do. And then if he does the exact same thing and he's legit, then you know try and sign him long term. He's still young. He, I think he's tw- he just turned twenty five or he just turned twenty six. He just turned twenty six, so I think. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like he's twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty coming from the KHL here. So. I feel like the Leafs, if they use him right and, you know, they sign him to a, a proper contract, then Julian McKay will be a Leaf for hopefully a pretty long time. I, I can definitely see it. And especially, you, you got to get past these three seasons where the cap's going to be stagnant. And I hope players can understand the fact that, hey, listen, you know, you may not get your money now, but obviously if we can break it down. But the Leafs do so well with the signing bonus thing, I think they can find a way to get. Hey guys, James here. Unfortunately, we had a little bit of a technical issue where the laptop seized up and so did the mic. We lost a good part of this interview, unfortunately, about the draft, the lottery, and going into the Maple Leaf players a little bit more in depth. Um, Be sure to check out Joseph on Twitter. Be sure to check out everything he's doing with his YouTube page. You'll hear about that in just a moment. Everything unfroze for a brief moment, gave us a little bit of a window for him to get his information out there. Be sure to check him out. He's a great up-and-coming writer for Editor and Leaf. Love everything he puts out there. All right, guys, check out the end of the interview. We'll talk to you soon. I also have a basketball page called Fast Break. I haven't posted any content there yet, but uh, I hope to do... 
in the near future. You can also follow me on Twitter at Joseph D Zeta. That's J O S E P H D Z I T A. And uh, I'm on Twitter a lot. I actively using Twitter. And like I said with my YouTube, I hope to be posting content very, very soon.